We all wish we could talk to animals. As it turns out, we can. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley explores the nature of interspecies communication. What are our animals trying to tell us? Animals commune through love, a force that opens all doors. Listening to them teaches us how to be better humans. Why? We can trust them to tell us the deepest truth about who we are and how one can grow into a more powerful version of self. Laura shares over 20 years of stories and wisdom learned from her work as an animal communicator in this hard and thought-provoking show. Welcome. I'm Laura Rowley, and you can listen to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or on your mobile devices. To learn more and for a full schedule, go to dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I appreciate and am humbled by uh, how many people do tune into the show. It's pretty awesome and um, very rewarding for me. And I hope that um, my listeners find it rewarding and fun and illuminating and helpful, uh, definitely helpful. That's the goal here, to work on uniting the human kingdom with the animal kingdom because it seems to me that they have a lot to offer one another and that they can enrich one another's lives. So today, the show is titled uh, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Who's the Fairest? So if you dig into your memory banks, You'll probably remember that that poem or that saying comes from uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, the Wicked Queen asks her mirror daily the same question. She's looking for an answer from her mirror. Um, and she always asks the whole poem, which is mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? So when she asks that question, she is looking for the answer that she is the fairest of them all. And uh, the story of Snow White kind of revolves around the idea that she doesn't get that answer from the mirror, which angers her because the mirror declares Snow White to be more fair than the Wicked Queen. So why do we like that story? You know, what's, what's that about, that whole tale on um, like many um, of the old fairy tales or some of the Walt Disney uh, productions, they are demonstrative of archetypes or big ideas that, I don't know, motivate us all, are intrinsic in all of our thinking. And so this idea of fairness, I think, is something that really, if you think about it, probably every day you wonder if something was fair in your own life pretty consistently. Like sometimes I think we're a lot like that, in this case, witch, <laughs> who looks in the mirror and says, who's the fairest of them all? Because what is she really asking? Like what is that about? So when I got thinking about that, um, it reminded me a lot of what my daily life is about because people call me on a daily basis by appointment to uh, discuss something that's going on with their animals and they're trying to figure out how to be fair about it. Um, or how they want to show up about it, or whether or not the animal's behavior was fair. So sometimes I end up being like the ambassador in the middle between uh, two opposing sides, each trying to figure out the idea of fairness. Um, I can speak with animals. They usually show me uh, pictures or movies about how 
incidents feel to them. Um, they often do that at the same time while their person is explaining in rational, deductive communication on a human level to me about how an incident feels to them. So sometimes everybody's seeing things in a very different manner. So the idea of who's fair and who isn't fair ends up being kind of a, I don't know, pretty central theme in my life every day. Um, so I got thinking about fairness lately and the definition of fair. Um, you know, it, it now means, if you look it up in, in like Webster's Dictionary or Google, it now means uh, fairness is about being impartial or just and also about being honest. So fair would be being uh, true to the idea of I'm impartial, I'm just, I'm honest. Um, in, in old English terms, the word fair actually meant beautiful or uh, attractive. So it's evolved from this idea of the Old English, which was something the mirror might have shown the queen, which she wanted to know, was, was she beautiful? Her ego wanted to know if she was externally beautiful or attractive, right? But the other meaning that the mirror answers her back when she said Snow White is more fair than you are, is the mirror is reflecting back this idea that you're wicked and actually Snow White is, is kind and gentle which the movie goes on to show are playing with birds and, you know, being a kind and gentle person. So there's this idea of fairness being impartial and just on the inside. In other words, being beautiful within versus being um, beautiful on an attractive level as in, you know, external beauty. So this movie and this concept, this poem, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Who's the Fairest, sets us up to think about when we're asking that question, it's usually because we have a doubt about really how we're being reflected. In other words, if we're standing in front of a mirror, by what standard are we being judged other than by our own? We're the only thing in the mirror, right? So lots of times when we're not sure what is a fair thing to, to do or a proper way to be with our animals, we really have to kind of look deeper at ourselves and see, well, how am I being reflected in this? And a lot of my work um, requires that I help people see layers of themselves because their animals show me those layers or give me ideas of those layers. Or I often feel the emotion that the animal is feeling in that moment, which to them is a layer that contributes to why they're doing a behavior that basically the owner often thinks isn't fair. <laughs> so um, I'm sometimes sort of a referee between the two sides, and everybody has a good point. Um, most importantly, you know, what's primary actually in all of these incidences isn't often the behavior, the seeing thing that's, that's happened. Um, the cat that, you know, pees in the living room, the dog that growls when he shouldn't, the horse that bucks when he shouldn't, um, that would be the overt beauty part of things, is everything looking good from the outside. What's probably way more important and more precious is what's going on on the inside emotionally for you and for your animal. Both of you. You both weigh in here. So lots of times people aren't able to see that because they're looking really at the behavior, not really at what the animal's trying to communicate through the behavior. So the unseen feature of an incident is that 
for instance, let's just pick something simple, the dog that's growling. Well, they're trying to tell you something's wrong or they wouldn't be growling. They're afraid, they're in pain, um, they're angry, they're frightened. Um, so if we set aside, oh, dogs should not growl, making that judgment, this is wrong. We're making a judgment. This is wrong. Dogs do not growl. Well, it'd be better if dogs didn't growl and better if dogs didn't growl at us. And any self-respecting dog trainer would certainly say that's true. But what I want to get to underneath this level of things is what is the dog telling you that he feels isn't fair when he growls? Because he has no other way to voice that to you. So lots of times bad behavior is really an internal reflection of skewed emotions or an animal feeling something's unfair. Right? Makes sense? So, because we're in a relationship with our animals and we want to figure out how we can work through our problems with them and not have them become, for instance, the growling dog. We don't want that to get worse and turn it into barking or snarling or nipping or even biting, right? Um, we want to nip it in the bud. They tried to tell me something here. What was, what was the mirror trying to show me that is reflected about how they felt about how I behaved in the moment? Might be a good question for us to ask ourselves right then and there. So it takes a little self-reflection, lots of open-mindedness. Um, and it can be really rewarding if you look at things this way and really, I think, super helpful, actually. Um, I always tell people who take classes from me uh, when you're trying to learn how to communicate with animals, it's a good idea to take a, an a behavior that you think of as unattractive in your own pet and something you don't like that they do and journal some ideas, do some brainstorming. Make one column that says what feels fair to you about this behavior and another column that says what feels fair to them about this behavior. Don't think too hard when you write it down and start to scribble down every possible idea you can scribble down and put that list away for a minute after you do it because now you have to think about, okay, I've sorted that out. I've made some judgments about what I don't like about them and maybe even some judgments about what they don't like about me. So how from this picture can I compromise? So assuming your dog isn't, or your cat or your horse isn't doing anything completely horrible or evil or dangerous, okay, let's put that aside. Let's pretend that's not happening because if it is, you need a behaviorist or a dog trainer to help you, period. This is more of the small reflections we get when we live with an animal that they think they're kind of, they feel like they're violating our personal space about how we want our home to be or how we want our lives to be. Um, so I'll give you an example. I have lots of examples of this from my daily life. Um, I spoke to someone, oh, in the last two months, I'd say, Tom, and he has this really cute dog that's a fluffy dog named Panda. She's black and white, as you can imagine. She's got a lot of long hair. And he walks her every morning before work. And he walks along the sidewalk. And he's kind of in a hurry because he's got to go to work. And Panda doesn't want to walk on the sidewalk. She backs up and sort of pulls out of her collar. So then he went 
and he got lessons on how to lead her better and he put a harness on her. She can't get out of that, but she's clearly unhappy and always wants to walk on the grass next to the sidewalk. So uh, she gets all muddy when she does that. They live in the Northeast where it rains a lot or snows or sloppy. She just won't walk on the hard sidewalk. So then he has to come home and like wipe, wipe all her feet off or his wife gets mad because she walks on the carpet and trashes the house. So that feels unfair to Tom. So he he said, this is a stupid thing, but could you just ask Panda to please walk on the sidewalk for me? Like, so you can see there's nothing dangerous about Panda's behavior. It's just felt unfair to Tom. So I asked Panda why she was doing that, and she explained that she had something wrong with the joints in her toes and that they were really uncomfortable and that it really hurt to walk on the sidewalk and she'd come to hate her walks unless she could walk on the mushy ground. Um, she didn't know why Tom would be angry with her. From her perspective, she thought he was unfair that he would A, want her to walk on the hard ground and B, then be mad at her when she got home because she had mud on her feet. She said, what am I doing wrong here? I'm just trying to take care of myself. So I had to tell each side what the other one wanted, which is a big part of what I do every day, is help everybody understand what the other one wants. Hence my notion here that you should try sometimes when you're frustrated with the animal's behavior to make a list yourself. What do they want? What do I want? In other words, what feels fair to you? What feels fair to them? Panda, I want to walk not on the hard ground. He said I want her to walk where the ground is drier and not muddy. It's kind of simple. So in the middle of that, though, where is things going wrong? Often it, it does have to do with the animal's discomfort, which, of course, you don't know that their feet hurt. But if you make the assumption that maybe they really are just trying to tell you something that's important to them, like I can't do what you're asking because I'm uncomfortable, a lot of times, I bet you 50 or 60% of my readings have to do with an animal, animal being uncomfortable physically. So always give them the benefit of the doubt first. Because if it hurts, why would they want to do it? And why would you ask them to do it, right? You might need to go find a different place to walk. You know, a soft path or, you know, we worked it out with Tom um, where, you know, we figured out something different he could do. He went to his vet um, who had him, uh, the dog, you know, changed his diet. He was allergic to some of his food, which was making his joints swell. Um, they gave him some supplements that had joint um, support in them. And actually, the dog got more and more comfortable and less adverse to walking on the sidewalk, but never really loved it. So Tom then had to compromise and say, well, if I want to be fair and show up as a beautiful person within myself by being fair, I probably have to put her in the car, leave a few minutes early, and take her to a park and walk her somewhere where it's not quite so muddy. So he figured it out. Um, but he didn't know she was hurting or he would have never, you know, probably called me. Um, so always ask the question about what feels fair to you, what feels, feels fair to them, and could the problem be some sort of physical pain? Because that's a big deal. Um, when you do this exercise, and I do kind of regard it as an exercise, um, you'll find lots of times that you have to be open-minded and looking like a mirror at self-reflection of yourself, right? Like, how am I showing up in this picture? Tom realized he was being, it's my way or the highway, because I don't want to get in trouble with my wife. I don't want to be late for work. Um, he had all kinds of reasons why he didn't want it to be that way, but that really wasn't very 
internally beautiful of him because they were all external pressures on him that he could have managed differently if he'd known she was in pain. So if you presume some pain is there, you're probably going to be fair in how you make your next decisions. You know, when he tried a path that wasn't far away that had kind of a gravelly background, she was totally happy, and he just made it a thing that he did a couple times a week with her um, as a compromise, and, you know, they, they ended up living happily ever after, like every good fairy tale. <laughs> um, so we want everything to be happily ever after in your lives with your animals because that makes you feel like, um, you know, in relationship we always want a feeling of give and take, reciprocity. We give, they take, they take, we give. Um, in the subtle things that run our lives, which makes us feel joyful and happy as we, you know, go through our time. We spend a lot of time with our pets. And to always feel like you're adverse with them um, isn't fair to either of you. So if you're feeling this kind of strange pulling adversity, which is why people call me, and I'm always happy to help, um, you probably can help yourself with that little exercise. Um, another example. Um, there was a dog named Tippy, and Tippy, um, he was like, I don't know, like seven-year-old border collie, and um, the person that owned him, kept him, loved him, his person was Anna, and Anna took him to obedience classes um, for the joy of showing him in obedience shows. She was a, a, a dog show person. She really enjoyed that stuff. Um, when he was home and when he was training, he was fabulous and did all of the uh, exercises required to pass the, the show perfectly. You know, walked at her heel quietly, sat down when told, laid down, stayed, all that stuff, you know, perfectly. Then when she would take him to shows, because this is something she always dreamed of doing, he went from being like super obedient to like leaping on her and trying to grab the leash from her like he would grab a hold of the leather leash and pull, which is completely inappropriate in an obedience class for a dog show um, and something he never did before. Um, so um, this behavior would continue the whole time they were at the dog show. Uh, and so she said, I, I just can't imagine what he's thinking. It's so unfair to me. This is so embarrassing when he does that. This is my joy. And, he's, and he loves practicing. Why won't he do it at the shows? So we weighed in with Tippy. <laughs> and um, Tippy said that it was a dog show, he understood, but it was supposed to be his time with her. Uh, when they practiced at home, there was treats and it was quiet. She did a little ritual with him um, before dinner and he felt loved and he got lots of attention and he loved being told he was a good boy. But when she took him to the dog show, then he shows me this picture. This is what he shows me, a picture of her tense and nervous on her guard and talking to everyone else when she gets nervous, she talks a lot. So she'd be standing in line waiting to go in the ring and talking to all the other competitors. Oh, I couldn't get his tail brushed right. Oh, gosh, he doesn't look quite as good as he was. I hope he got a good night's sleep. I'm a little nervous. Um, she'd start chatting with everybody but him. And so he was like, what the heck? This is supposed to be my social hour, not your social hour. Um, he, was, he thought it was unfair. 
um, I'm the star of the show. <laughs> this is about our relationship together in the obedience class. Why are you talking to everybody but me? So what he showed me a picture of was he felt like he was like a little kid sitting on the floor with all these adults towering above him, having this whole emotional cloud above him. And all those emotions felt overwhelming and beside the point and stupid, basically. And it made him want to really just go home. So he was being a jerk on purpose. He wasn't being fair to her in the ring by grabbing the leash because he basically thought, you're not being fair to me. You're dragging me here on the pretenses of being in a, comp in a partnership with me. That's what the whole pretense of this class is about, how well I listen to you. Instead, you're talking to everybody else. Which was, you know, a pretty good point on his point. I mean, she got laughing about this. The more he talked about it, the more she said, oh, I totally do all that. Um, and um, it made her realize that um, she was maybe not showing up in her best place of being fair to him. If they practice something, she should also show up practicing the same thing, um, being attentive and tuned into him, not in everything else around her and the circumstances around her. So that was a pretty easy compromise to work out. She saw that her reflection wasn't so pretty. I'm asking you to be obedient, but I do what I want to do. So that would have gone into the column of, for him, what feels fair to him, which was, if I'm supposed to be obedient, couldn't you also play by the same rules when we go to a show that you tell me to behave to? If you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And that's why he was being very belligerent, really. Um, we, it was really interesting. I, I worked with them for uh, quite a while, I don't know, a year ago maybe. And it, all this went away after our conversation because I explained to Tippy that um, she was mistaken. Like everyone, whenever we're unfair, if we apologize, it goes a long way towards healing things, right? Um, and I think that's, whenever we start to go, that isn't fair. Oh, that shouldn't have happened that way. He's not doing what he should say. Okay, that's good. You've identified the problem. Then you have to move on. After that, compromise and apologize. Clean it up. So we cleaned it up with Tippy. told him, oh, we're sorry. You know, we, she, she didn't mean to be doing that. She's just nervous and was not acting appropriate. She completely apologizes and she promises not to do that again. And I have to say, whenever I say those two things, when it's genuine with the owners, apologizing and they promise to really try not to do it again, I can't tell you how often the next phone call that I get from them, a couple months later, a year later, who knows, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm calling. I'm not even calling you about that anymore. That totally went away after that day. So they really do hear you participate about fairness. And when you apologize and you really mean it, they, you don't have to be an animal communicator to get through. They hear it in your voice. And when you say, I'm not doing that anymore, if I am, you're allowed to remind me, and I promise to be fair going forward, it'll solve a lot of your training problems, a lot of your small stuff that happens around your house where things just aren't working out as well as they should. So thank you for listening. This is Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on Dream Vision 7 Radio. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. 
Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? If your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life, what would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Quantum Jumps presents a radical new paradigm that we exist in an interconnected holographic multiverse in which we literally jump from one parallel universe to another. In a moment, you can become smarter, more confident, happier, more outgoing, more effective, in better relationships with more willpower. When you sense a new connection to another possible you, living the life you'd prefer, immerse yourself naturally into that new state of being. And voila, you've made a quantum jump. Supported by scientific research, Quantum Jumps is an inspirational book backed with practical tools to help you live a happier, more prosperous life. Learn more at quantumjumps.com. Are you searching for a way to help create global change? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's vision is to have an eclectic group of radio hosts dedicated to educating, enlightening, and helping humankind with positive messages and tools that enhance lives using different modalities and programs. If you would like to join our team and help illuminate the universe, call Deborah at 508-226-1723 or Deborah at dreamvision7radio.com. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is DreamVision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. This is Laura Rowley, and you're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. Um, We're talking today about Mirror Mirror on the Wall, who's the fairest of them all. And in this case, really, who's the fairest between you and your pet when you're having a argument, disagreement, 
unhappy feelings, hurt feelings, <laughs> confusion, <laughs> fill in the blank. In other words, not overt horrible behavior, even overt horrible behavior, but lots of times that's a deeper thing. Or maybe you have a, a, pro, a, a true crisis and you need a trainer. But if it's this subtle stuff that's niggling and bothering you, there's probably subtle stuff that is niggling and bothering them is my point. So the first step is make a list. What feels fair to you about this situation? What feels fair to them? And when you do the them, be really wild. Even ask other people in the family why they think the animal thinks it's fair. And scribble down every single idea you can come up with. They're hot. They're cold. They're thirsty. They don't like it. They're afraid. They're carsick. Think of everything anybody can think of. Some of them might be true. None of them might be true. But it'll get you out of your head. Brainstorming with other people that are in the same circumstance often helps you, especially in your family or loved ones who hang out with you and your pet and watch what goes on between you and them. Um, but the most interesting thing, if you look at that list then that people help you create, you need to be self-reflective and open-minded like a mirror. Look at it and say, hmm, what about that list is true and what about, it, what about it feels intuitively correct and what do I want to do about it? So the answer usually has to come from the idea of, am I willing to compromise? Right? If I think I'm right and they think they're right, once I understand it, even if I don't completely understand it, could I compromise? Sometimes you might see that what they're showing you is a mirror of what you're showing them. In other words, there might be real common things in both of those lists. So I'll give you an example of that. Um, I work with uh, a gentleman named Mark, and actually he's a horseman. Um, so I'm often working with him about different horses that he gets in to, to train. I have been for years. Um, a couple times a, a year we get together with his difficult training horses and try to uh, shed some light on when he's having just some troubles. So I was surprised one time when he called me about uh, not any of his training horses, but Foxy, who was his little terrier that goes to work with him every day to the barn and is his constant companion, sits on the mounting block and watches him ride the horses, lays down in the shade under the tree when it's hot out, like winter snow, whatever, that dog hangs out somewhere near him. So um, they started to have trouble because suddenly um, Foxy, instead of being like this willing participant in Mark's life and always like, want to go to the barn? Sure. Want to sit? Okay, sit and wait while I get on the horse. The dog would go somewhere. Instead, Foxy started to get, um, I don't know, wouldn't listen. You know, suddenly disruptive. Walk in front of the horse where it's super dangerous. Like, that's a big no-no. Foxy never did that before. Um, cried when he got on a horse instead of sitting there and waiting for him. Um, so he knew something was wrong, and he was just really kind of getting worried about Foxy. And so he, he asked the one question that I wanted you guys to ask yourselves. Do you think there's anything physically hurting Foxy? Um, and I said, no. I asked Foxy, is something bothering you that you're whining a lot and being disruptive during Mark's sessions with the horses? Are you jealous? What's going on? And, um, and, and he said, no, no. It's not any of that. I feel fine. I was like, hmm. So I was a little stumped. I said, well, can you tell me a picture of what's bothering you? Because he kept showing me a picture of Mark riding a horse. And I was like, well, we all know Mark does that, and you've been with Mark for like five years. So what's your, what's your trouble? So it took sometimes 
takes a minute. I have to just sit there and listen and wait for an image to come for me. And I sometimes have trouble doing that. You want to kind of get the answer right away for the person and save them time and money and be, you know, a star and be efficient. So the hardest thing I do sometimes is sit and wait for me to get a message. <laughs> okay. So I waited. And um, she said, after a while, Foxy said, he said, excuse me, I don't have a job anymore. I'm tired of waiting. I, while he does his job, what's my job? Um, so when I, when I told Mark that, Mark said, well, being my friend and waiting for me. And I said, mm, Foxy says that's not enough. Um, so I asked Mark to kind of, what, you know, what do you know about Foxy that's true? Tell me what feels right about Foxy. So he started to relay Foxy, like has a go-go attitude, kind of regimented, like the schedule, um, always alert for an adventure, but knows that, you know, he's got to stay with, with Mark, so he's really obedient. Um, he doesn't like to be restrained, so I let him be loose in the barn and in the paddock areas. Um, and so I said, well, that doesn't seem to be enough for him anymore. He's bored. And so Mark said, well, I can actually see why he would be bored now that I think about it, because that's just how I am. I like a schedule. I like it regimented. Um, I stick to what I want to do, and Foxy basically has to stick to what I want him to do. Um, and since he's acting like he's not happy anymore, and I'm on a horse, I'm not sure how I can compromise here. So we had to work that out, which we did work it out. Um, Sometimes just sympathizing and empathizing with an animal, like I know you're impatient and you want your own duties, um, so I'm going to give you something to do, like here's a bone to chew on while I do this. And then after he rides his second horse now, he clicks a little lead on to Foxy's lead and they go for a nice walk together. So his job, Foxy's job, is to help Mark walk off his kind of aches and cramps from riding a couple horses, which he's really proud to do. He wanted to contribute somehow, not just be a witness to Mark's life. And then I told him that be, by being a witness to Mark's life, you're actually contributing a lot because Mark feels loved by your loyalty. And he gets so involved with the horses that I know you might not actually feel that love, but it's there because Mark told me to tell him that. And... Uh, Foxy stopped all the weird behavior, like it all went away that, that very day um, because they both recognize we're doers, you know, we're kind of spastic. We have to, you know, constantly um, be taking our internal drive and turning it into an accomplishment. And Foxy didn't feel accomplished. Lots of smart animals really want to feel like they're accomplishing something. And so another big tip in in other than make sure they're not in pain is make sure that you tell them how much you appreciate what they do for you because they really hear that and they really get that. Um, you know, sometimes we get into this mode of I've got to go take care of the dog. Uh, I've got to feed the dog. I've got to go take care of the cat. Instead of thinking when we put that food down, oh, thank you for being my dear friend. I'm so glad that we you know, get to do this together, and I cherish you, and I'm glad I nourish you, right? Usually we're in a hurry, we're doing laundry, we're on the phone, we're trying not to trip over the dog on the way to the refrigerator while we're trying to, you know, feed the kids or whatever we're doing. So if you could just take a moment now and then to stop and do the gratitude thing, 
Like, I'm grateful that I get to be in your life and you get to be in my life. And this food is like me saying, I am grateful for you. They really understand gratitude. They, they feel it vibrationally in a way that is even more sophisticated than how we think we feel it. You might have heard me say before, I feel like animals are part of the angelic realm. Whether you believe that or not doesn't matter. It's important that you do believe that they can really feel the higher energies of us, which are gratitude, love, and compassion. So when we radiate those, they get the vibe of, oh, I'm doing good in the world. Because like most of us, they want to feel like they're doing good in the world. Um, That's why they're here actually, is what I believe. Now, you might not want to make that jump, but I make that jump. I think that's why animals are here. So lots of times, your um, little difficulties have to do with feeling appreciated and not just tripped over or taken care of because you're in a hurry. And I, and I think this happens a lot, too. Um, I see this a lot with young couples that get animals before they have children. So their animals, when you know, their cat or their dog maybe, are like their babies, and then they have kids, and then they need the cat or the dog to help raise the kids, you know, um, or to get out of the way so they can raise the kids. And there's a lot of displacement feelings of the animal wants to contribute. Um, so coming up with any kind of compromise that you can come up with that makes the animal like, I'm going to feed the baby now, so since I'm feeding the baby, do you want to lay down next to the baby's um, you know, chair, high chair, whatever it is, um, and, you know, guard them while I'm feeding or, you know, pick up the food that they drop. Or, you know, if you can come up with something that gives, makes them feel like you meant for them to do that instead of, oh, geez, I don't want to trip over you while I'm doing this. So um, recognizing their needs is really the secret to feeling what's fair for them. Lots of times, what their needs are are the same as our needs. We all want to feel what appreciated and loved, right? So it's not that complicated when you hear when you hear it third hand, but when you're in the middle of it, it can feel kind of complicated. Um, and notice that when you go to the mirror and you ask for a judgment, who's the fairest of them all? Who's who's right or wrong here? who's good or bad, who's doing the right thing, who's doing the wrong thing. You're casting a judgment. So casting a judgment is helpful for sure, you know, because sometimes maybe the animal does need some correction or some training or to get back on the right track. Um, But lots of times it's you who needs to make the adjustment deeper into understanding them and compromising and recognizing that they do have needs and they're probably not that dissimilar to our own. So sometimes your list then could almost be more simple, like what does he need and what do I need? And I think you'll find so much commonality on that list that if you start to think of things that way, like for instance, when we were talking about um, Foxy is a dog with a lot of drive. Well, Mark had a lot of drive. They both needed to recognize they have a lot of drive. Not one is more important than the other if you want your animal to be happy. You know, you're not more important than they are. They're not more important than you are. He needs something to, to say, I achieved something. So lots of times what's cool about animals is they are our mirror. I know I've brought this up before, but... 
they often come to live with us because they're mirroring for us something that we could learn about ourselves. So being reflective, like a mirror, being reflective about their needs and about our needs helps us be fair and good owners, but also just makes the whole thing juicier and warmer and nicer and oh, more lovely for everybody, you know. Um, and so those are always good things. Whenever you start to cast a judgment, it's time to cast a judgment on that mirror and say, with open honesty, where can I improve? So it's another layer underneath. And compromise isn't usually about labels, like you're right, you're wrong, she's right, she's wrong, I'm wrong, she's right. It's about a willingness to work out a deeper relationship. And it can be an I don't know, a really beautiful, unexpected gift and an opportunity for new information to slip into your world um, so that you can see yourself from another perspective and respond accordingly and make yourself have more inner beauty, <laughs> right? Be more beautiful in the mirror. So thank you for listening. We're, we have one more segment to go. This is Laura Rowley, and you're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience hope, the magic elixir of miracles, through the personal stories of New York Times best-selling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, sacred stories of transformational hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, 
bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. This is Laura Rowley, and you are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. I'm on every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can download um, and listen later if you'd like, or you can listen live online or on your mobile devices. To learn more and for a full schedule, just go to dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, always happy to do these shows. Um, Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Today we're doing Mirror, Mirror on the Well, who's the fairest of them all. So a little play on words here about how animals mirror us, what we can learn about that by thinking of them as a mirror and how that can help us grow. And also the other component of that is, you know, fairness, right? What's fairness? Who's the judge of what is fair? Um, so we want to be open-minded and impartial and honest judges when we are fair. And um, sometimes our animals are behaving in odd ways that is not fair. They get us up in the middle of the night, like the cat that won't sleep anywhere unless he sleeps on your pillow with you. And then when you lock him out of your room because you can't sleep, he meows at your door. That feels unfair, right? Um, that is a call I get routinely. Cats have a different nocturnal clock than we do, and uh, they want to get up usually well before the twilight and hours end, <laughs> before dawn. They want to get up, and they want to um, hunt and do their thing as cats, and we're not in the mood. We, we need to sleep. That's a very common thing that happens uh, in households with cats, and, and so I commonly get calls from people saying, please tell them it's not fair. I have to get up in the morning, and I have to go to work. Help me, right? Um, the cat's perspective is, well, um, what's fair to me is I should actually be outside in the woods hunting mice because this is prime time for hunting mice and I'm missing the whole opportunity. So I'm sitting here complaining to you because you're not seeing that I need to be out there. So um, certainly everyone can be um, stubborn or not willing to give up their part of things. But often when we put understanding and compassion in place, we can get some compromises. Um, in the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you'll notice that the person who's asking about fairness in the mirror is the evil witch. <laughs> so I want to kind of put the angle on that a little bit. Um, why is she the character that asks the story? And I think it's because she represents, in, in many ways, the archetype of really our ego, who's looking in the mirror and wants to be confirmed for our beauty. The mirror in that story is supposed to say, you're the fairest of them all, evil witch, right? So in other words, it represents that part of us that wants to be the fairest, considered right. We want to be the one that's right. So that internal beauty, we want to say, oh, for instance, the lady with the cat that's meowing, that's not fair. The cat's like, mm, feels pretty fair to me. You're leaving me at, you know, inside when I should really be outside. Um, and so 
in that case, we'd have to have a conversation with the cat that it's not safe for them to be outside at night because there's predators out there. Maybe give him some toy mice to play with outside the door. Um, appeal to their sense of fairness that the person has to sleep. And so I negotiate all that while I'm talking based on the person's needs and the person's ideas who's trying to be open-minded and compromising. So yay for compromising. Um, but notice that sometimes when we compromise, we, we sometimes forget the idea that we'd rather be um, right than happy, you know. So we have to let go of judgment, and our ego doesn't really like to do that. We have to let go of the idea that this is wrong or unfair sometimes and say to ourselves, it's not ideal, but maybe the animal isn't wrong. Maybe they, they just need a little help with this idea. So the minute you cross that boundary, you're into some sweet spots there. And I think, you know, I have to give lots of kudos to the people that call me routinely. They're doing that for sure. And, and lots of times that's why they're calling me. It's because they want help doing that. Um, you know, most people who love their animals are trying to work through stuff, um, but not necessarily willing to look at how their ego is saying that's not fair. Think of a little kid. You know, it's little kids that go, that's not fair. She took my chalk or, you know, like that's what we think when we're little kids. Mom didn't let me have what I wanted in the grocery store. That's not fair. That's usually our ego talking when we, when we talk about fairness in a lot of ways. What's fair is very different from what's a compromising, happy solution. So we want to always, right, err on the side of compromising and happiness. Um, couple stories come to mind with that. I, I work with another trainer. His name is Tim. And um, Tim um, sent his best horse to another trainer because he couldn't ride him anymore. And it was a big, horrible incident for Tim to have to do that because he is a well-regarded trainer in his own right. But he wanted to know, well, what was going so wrong. The horse acted just incensed when he was on him and he was becoming dangerous. So it had crossed over from being an inconvenience to being like a serious disobedience and crisis where Tim was afraid he was going to get hurt or the horse was going to get hurt because there's lots of bucking and spinning and Tim would put his leg on, which is a, an aid for the horse to walk forward and said the horse would buck um, and like kind of run backwards. So... Um, I asked Axel why, why, I explained first of all, Tim wanted to be fair and say to Axel, I'm sorry I sent you away to this other guy, but I'm, I think you need some more training. Or I, I know I'm not the right person for you all of a sudden and I'm really upset about it. So um, Axel said, yeah, that's true. You're not the right person for me actually um, because lately you're always um, really worried more about your professional standing and how well you're ranking against other trainers. And I would rather be with someone that just wants to uh, ride me for fun and for enjoyment and for peace and to sort of be zen and meditative. This horse was super smart. And you don't have that drive anymore. You're just really worried about uh, winning because it's, you know, it was Tim's job. He needed to win to stay competitive, to stay employed, right? So, we had to explain that to Axel, like, you know, Tim wasn't trying to be evil. His ego wasn't really out of hand, like the evil witch in the, in the mirror. Actually, Tim's job depends on him being successful. 
So they made they made an agreement. Um, Axel was sold to somebody else that wanted an amateur horse that because they just loved showing and wanted to have fun with it um, rather than compete as a pro. And it, it hurt Tim's pride to be the one that had to be sort of, you know, kicked to the curb. But Axel voted for, you know, find me a nice person that just wants to go play. And um, Tim was a big enough person to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. And they did. They worked it out. They, he, um, he sold Axel to uh, a lady who shows a couple times a year and trail rides them and they have a lot of fun together now. I, I actually still speak to them. They have a happy relationship. Um, so, so Tim kind of got to really look at, we, we talked quite a bit afterwards about this. He was really open-minded and humble and very cool about the whole thing. And he was saying that he realized that he had developed what he would describe as a poor attitude about competing. Um, and that um, he'd started to see everything through the eyes of a competitor who, who was getting a little cutthroat about it or feeling like the judges weren't fair. He should have won the class or they didn't notice this or the timer was wrong. He said, I realize I've been whining a little, a little bit about my competitive edge and maybe I'm afraid of losing my competitive edge. And he was actually really uh, happy and actually had me reach out to Axel after the other woman owned him to tell him, like, thanks for helping me see that I wasn't really showing up as too beautiful from within. Uh, and it made him change his ways and like his job better, take a, take a break when he needed to, like his clients better, and kind of restructure his whole way of, of um, performing as a competitor because that could be hard when, you're, when your job is to win. Um, your ego can seriously get out of hand, right? Um, and you know, sometimes life isn't fair and things don't work out exactly how you want them to and luck cannot be on your side at times. So we can either fret over the fairness all the time, which leads to like anger and hostility, disappointment, depression even, um, or you can change your mind about it and decide, why am I getting upset about this? Sometimes life just isn't fair. So that's what he decided to do, which I thought was, was really cool um, and really admirable. And uh, Axel decided to be somebody's pet, which was also pretty cool. Um, so when you feel stuck with a small situation with an animal that, where they're just kind of making you mad or feeling like they're disrespecting you, do the journal. Make your two lists. What feels fair to you and what are they trying to tell you? What feels fair to them? Boil it down to the simplest ingredients. They're not trying to do it to get you mad, usually. They're usually trying to talk to you about something, like the dog with the sore feet. It looked like he was trying to make the person mad by walking in the mud, but really, she, what was the simplest solution? She prefers soft ground. I prefer hard ground. You know, so boil it down to that. Don't make the other person wrong. In this case, don't make your pet wrong. I prefer... Hard ground, they prefer soft ground. It's pretty clear, right? Nobody's right, nobody's wrong, so how do we compromise here? You might not even know everything's the answer to all of this, but if you assume that and decide to work towards compromise, you'll come up with similarities, which is an awesome place to start. So in other words, the important thing is, is that your animal is often a mirror and what you want to do is listen to the mirror, look at the mirror with reverence, believe it, and say, well, what are you trying to show me? What, what's reflected back for me? 
take it as constructive criticism, not as she won't do this, he won't do that. Don't take it as a frustrating partner. Think, well, what are they showing me? This could be constructive um, construction, constructive feedback, excuse me. In other words, self-reflection then can be cathartic for you. You can clean yourself up and change a little bit how you are, change how you're feeling about it. Instead of judging it, change how you feel about it. This is an open-mindedness that really moves us you know, back towards the beauty within. When we start to be beautiful and wanting to compromise and nourish a relationship, you know, we get harmony, we get fun, we get the joy back. Um, in other words, there's no reason really to judge something as, as unfair. Change your mind about it and say, well, okay, I don't really love this, but I bet I can figure this out if I just thought really simply, what are they trying to show me? So my hardest thing to do in my job is to shut up and listen seriously and I think it's the hardest thing for my clients to do with their pets is to stop your thoughts stop your judgments stop your ego and listen what what basic thing are they trying to tell you and from that you'll find within yourself a willingness uh, to probably agree with them like oh that isn't actually bad because they're mirroring something that you know that's true about them and maybe about yourself like we all want to be loved we all want to be nourished, and we all want to actually have a sense of accomplishment and partnership in most of our relationships. And then you can give it to them. And that makes for everyone to be happy. So thank you so much again for listening. Um, you have been listening to Laura Rowley and Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Heard every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Laura next time to discover how you can embrace the wisdom flowing from your loved animals. Communication starts with an intention to understand. Each week, Laura helps you find your own unique ability to create a better understanding of yourself as taught through the loving eyes of your animals. To connect with Laura Rowley, go to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.